Okay. 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 Hello, and welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about Marvel movies and video games. My name is Bob. And I'm Matt. And we're going to talk about Marvel movies. But first, we're going to talk about Marvel movies, <laughs> because we are reordering the podcast to get you that hot Marvel content straight up front. Yeah. Um, so this this round, we uh, started with our second Marvel movie, which is also the second one in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, 2008's The Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk. Released, I believe, just like a month after Iron Man came That is out. correct. Yeah. Um, this was directed by Louis Leterrier. <laughs> As we have been calling him. Of, it might be Louis Leterrier, but who yeah, knows? Of, of the French New Wave, I assume. <laughs> um, and it was written by Zach Penn. Only one writer on this one, which yes. is really interesting. In contrast to the four writers who wrote Iron Man. Yeah, and I presume like the 80 writers who have worked on all the subsequent movies. Yeah, I'm looking at the list and like a ton of people work on these movies. So. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, so this Incredible Hulk has Edward Norton in it, who is later replaced by Mark Ruffalo. That's right. And what was your relationship with this movie prior to us watching it, Matt? I had seen this on a plane in, I want to say, 2009 mm-hmm. um, on, a, on a transatlantic flight. And I saw it. So I watched it on a tiny screen that was probably like three seats away. Uh, <laughs> And I remember thinking that was a movie. <laughs> I had not seen it. And now we both have. And for you, the listener, we got some feedback that we should recap these suckers up front, which we are going to do now from memory. Yes. So here's what happens in The Incredible Hulk. All right. So to kick it off, during the title sequence, we go through the entire origin story, okay. which... This credit sequence looks like garbage it, it looks yeah. like a bad tv show oh, can we be critical of this as we go along well i'm just gonna you know a little color okay. oh we're gonna give verdicts a later. little green yeah <laughs> um yeah so the they clearly um are trying because they recognize that the ang lee hulk movie happened they're trying to rush through this origin story so as not to like force us to watch it again well and at the same time i personally kind of think that maybe we would have enjoyed seeing it because there's an interesting bit of human drama there, but we'll get to that later. Sure. Edward Norton um, submits himself to be part of this uh, revival of the Super Soldier program, which I believe will tie into Captain America eventually. Oh, that's and interesting. And in the process is like hit with a bunch of gamma rays. In and the eye. In the they, eye. They put a green target on this man's eye, and you look at it and you say, I don't know what this experiment is because it's all just like pounding music, people's names, them shooting this man in the eye with a radiation ray, and you say, this can't go well. And luckily, all of the main characters in the film tend, happen to be present for this as well, That's including right. um, William Hurt as some sort of a general Sinister in the US general. Army. Yeah, mustache man. His name is actually Thunderbolt. They should have leaned into that. Ross. Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, that's um, cool. And Liv Tyler, the uh, the love interest for and, this film. And scientist of some stripe. Of some sort, yeah. She seems to have been instrumental in creating the thing, the, the program. Hulk. Yeah. And the Hulk as a result. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. She's the also, thing is in the And she's also William, William Hurt's daughter. She is. Not in real life, but in, in the movie. We in don't real life, that. she's she's someone else's daughter. Yeah, John Tyler, the president of the United <laughs> States. Uh, we don't actually learn about their relationship until later in the film because, again, this is just like still images that we are being subjected to with terrible zooms as a soundtrack just like bump, 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 and it's but it's clear that Edward Norton hulks out. He puts everyone's lives in danger, including um, his girlfriend. There's a lot Lip of Tyler's. blood. It's implied that he probably ripped some people in half. Yeah, I think that like he he basically rampages, and um, then we jump ahead like. Uh, several months, and he is living in a uh, favela in in Rio de Janeiro. Right. We get some nice scene setting, a cool aerial shot of the favelas, which, spoiler alert, might be my favorite part of the entire film. (laughs) They're really nice shots. They are actually excellent shots of the favelas. And we come down on Bruce Banner, and it says, 90 days since an incident. Yeah. It's been three months. Bruce, uh, mild-mannered Bruce Banner, (laughs) is living in Brazil, 
and we see that he is watching TV with a Portuguese dictionary because he is a man of culture, and so he is learning from Sesame Street how to speak Portuguese. It's pretty cool, actually. That part I really, was good. I really like this very, very opening. He's like he's using a metronome while he's meditating. Yep. It is an interesting kind of take on the character. Well, he's trying... We are exposed to him doing like yoga and breathing exercises yeah. because clearly he's trying to contain the Hulk, and he's always wearing this like pulse meter this like proto fitbit yeah that tells him how high his heart rate is because if it reaches 200 he is one step closer to the edge and about to break <laughs> um so he's kind of going about his day working at this soda factory <laughs> he, works at, he works as a repairman yeah. in the soda factory no i think he's a janitor who like does repair work on the side maybe like and they're like we should really be paying you for this. Yeah, he's yeah. fixing stuff. He works at this factory that is populated by other soda factory workers and the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> there is one, yeah, one female character in the Rio de Janeiro sections who we later find out lives underneath him maybe. Yeah, lives in the same in building, the same building as him. at least. Yeah, but he's the most beautiful woman in the world. She is astonishingly attractive <laughs> and extremely well made up for going to work on the soda factory line, yeah. uh, where her body glistens with a very attractive layer of sweat. <laughs> um, at one point early on, Edward Norton has to, uh, some guys are catcalling her and being general assholes, and Ed, Ed Norton has to like step in, somewhat reluctantly step in to try and like defend her. And he does. And this is how we know that Edward Norton is a... Nice guy. He's a good dude. He's he is mild-mannered nice Bruce, mild Banner. Bruce Banner. <laughs> um, so at one point, he accidentally cuts his hand, leading to some blood falling onto the assembly line and getting into one of the bottles. I heard that that shot took an entire year to put together. You were joking. No, the VFX on that was handled by one individual studio, and it took a full year That for is them to do it upsetting yeah at the same time this scene had some real world implications for me because now i am very concerned about everything i drink i mean you love fruit soda i love fruit soda this man is bottling fruit soda and it turns out that there's blood in the fruit soda real <laughs> bummer um that has story implications though because that bottle of soda strangely gets to the home of hulk creator stan lee mm -hmm. you think i'm joking i am 100 percent not joking Stan Lee, the creator of the Hulk, Spider-Man, and many other Marvel properties. <laughs> he drinks the soda. Says like, oh boy. <laughs> and then it cuts away. We learn that the government like had to put down Stan Lee. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I snorted there. But it is absurd. They kind of just like allude that this happened and... I don't know. That it was taken care right, of. Right, like the military just blew Stanley away. So, but William Hurt is paying attention to this, and he's like, oh, that's my Hulk. He's somewhere in Brazil. Right, he identifies so him through the soda. Had, so they now know where the Hulk is, so they hire Tim Roth, who I th first thought was a big game hunter, but apparently is just like a CIA he's operative. He's like a SWAT dude. Yeah. I thought for sure he was a big game hunter for some reason. I, I don't know why you were like very one taken of those, with like that. One, I thought it was like like that character in in the Lost World, this, mm. the Jurassic Park yep. sequel, who just like wants to hunt the ultimate game. Yeah, and this man is like, bring me the Hulk. Uh, yeah, there was a little bit of that. So this yeah. guy goes with his SWAT crew to Rio de Janeiro. Uh, they pursue Edward Norton. They won't like him when he's angry. He he hulks out. Incredible bulks. <laughs> Uh, hits that game train real hard, uh, rips a bunch of people up, and Tim this, Roth is, Tim Roth survives and is very taken with the Hulk. Yeah, there's definitely some um, homoerotic. There is undertones. a very homoerotic strain in this movie, which we'll talk about a little the, more later. The sort of like constant observation of other men's bodies. Yes, and like a real fetishization of how yoked the Hulk is. Yes. Um, so this whole sequence is shot like kind of a horror movie where the Hulk is like shrouded in shadow. Which saves a lot of money on CGI, It too. does. It still manages to look kind of terrible. It looks awful. It does not look good. <laughs> um, but the Hulk gets away. Gets away somehow. <laughs> manages know. to travel back to the U.S. where he gradually, through various circumstances, like 
I, posing as a pizza delivery man. Yeah, he is a pizza delivery man at one point. And manages to get into the uh, college campus where Liv Tyler works. That's right. And now, where the original Hulk experimentation occurred. And we learn through a series of very long-feeling sequences where people are just talking about things that we saw in, pictorially in the intro to the film. Yeah, for, considering that they were trying to speed things up oh. by covering the origin story in the during the uh, title sequence, they like <laughs> to go over the origin story a again lot. Over, and again. And just, just verbally oh, describing. Brutal. <laughs> so they're just telling you that they want to pursue the Hulk because he was this military thing and we have to get him because I want a military tool and blah blah blah. Meanwhile, we'll, uh, the SWAT dude. What what is his name? Tim Roth. Yes, his name is Tim Roth. The SWAT man um, wants the power of the Hulk. Yes, and so he demands that they kind of Hulk him up a little, and they're but like, just a little. Like we can't Hulk. give you so much. Yeah, they don't give. It's, he, you know, your tolerance is down. You haven't been doing this. They inject it into his spine. It's clear they want this movie to have like a body horror element. Yeah, the injection into the spine is looks very uncomfortable and there's like a cracking sound like as the needle goes in well and i thought that in iron man they did a really good job with that kind of cronenberg style like when he first has the arc reactor in his chest you're like oh that's real messed up um this one not the same david cronenberg's the incredible hulk that's a movie watch that's a movie yes yeah but we're not here to speculate on other movies that don't exist we are here to talk about this this movie that does thing (laughs) again a member of the Fantastic Four. Um, so very similar, though. In, oh, very similar. So, Stanley was running out of ideas at a certain point. He's a point. big boy. Yeah. Uh, so he's like moderately hulked out. They know that he's at the college. They know that to Edward talk. Norton is at the college. Yeah. yeah. And he, at the college, he meets a dude that he has been in communication with via an early internet. Yes. Apparently. Uh, seemingly. They're chatting on the dark web about ways to cure his hulkedness. And so he's been trying all sorts of like tinctures that he's making with flowers that's like, maybe it will cure me of the Hulk. It does not. Yeah. Not, none of, yeah. Not, all of his anti-vaxxing attempts <laughs> to find an herbal, an herbal solution. Yeah, it's is, all homeopathic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is why it doesn't work. So Essential oils, man. <laughs> It's a lot of yoga. He's doing meditation and just burning incense. And he's like, eventually I won't be the Hulk. Um, So he meets up with Liv Tyler and this scientist guy there who he has been in communication with. No, he doesn't meet the scientist yet. Are you sure? Yeah, he doesn't meet the scientist until they go to New York City. Hmm. So he meets up with Liv (laughs) Tyler at the college. Okay. Um, And she's like, oh man, you're alive. No. Okay. I'm sorry. So Lip Tyler is like, oh, man, you're alive. It's so great to see you. And they almost kiss like three times. Oh, yes. And um, and eventually, though, they're on the college campus and the U.S. military or the majority of it shows up <laughs> to try to take down the Hulk. Um, but like Liv Tyler is like angry and like they're restraining her and uh, Edward Norton like hulks out. And it, for the first time in broad daylight, we see the Hulk take on. A bunch of military dudes. And he kills a lot of people. And he kills a lot of people. The theme in all these movies being the Marvel dudes kill a lot of people. That It's just not addressed. No, the, he is murdering. Although, at least in this case, like, you know, it's a Jekyll Hyde thing. So there's this, like, he's not himself when he's the Hulk. Well, but he, and he's the, trying he never to does violence safe. to live. No, because he somehow seems to recognize that, that, she's Liv Tyler. that she is Liv Tyler. And she's a smoking babe. Um, <laughs> and that's John Tyler, her father, would come for him <laughs> yes, with exactly. everything he has. Uh, so the one of my favorite sections about this, though, is that Tim Roth is with the military, and he's now, like, super soldier. And there are all of these shots where they show, like, people running, but Tim Roth is also running with them, but much faster. He's much faster. And I want to know how they shot those. I because had the exact are, same thought. They are simultaneously, like... Kind of realistic looking, but also really dumb. Well, it has that that element where it's like it just doesn't seem quite right. Yeah, but at the same time, off it does it. look, I think, like a person running abnormally fast. It looks would look. yes, it looks exactly like a person running norm, abnormally fast because it's not like he's in he's in like fast forward or anything no, no. like that. His like arms are pumping at the same speed as everybody. But else. He is a moving, but he is just moving. So he encounters the Hulk. They have a hand to hand fight during which we see that Tim Roth is like pretty. Good at fighting. But he's mostly relying on agility as opposed to brawn. And then the Hulk punches him. The Hulk also in this movie 
really likes picking up two things and smashing them together like he's one of those monkeys with the symbols. <laughs> yeah, that is his move. <laughs> um, so he does that. At one point, he drives Tim Roth back at great speed. Tim Roth hits a tree, and his whole body like liquefies. Yeah. Uh, and it is graphic. It, it is, is grotesque. very unpleasant. Um, and then the Hulk picks up Liv Tyler and jumps away. I um, want to go on a quick tangent here please have you ever seen kingsman the secret service no i've heard it's good there's one sequence in a church that is a very interesting sequence it's like that's like you know one shot but really it's many different shots and it's colin firth like killing a ton of people Uh uh-huh and a lot of the kung fu that colin firth is using is being used on uh dolls that are being like kind of they're they're essentially just you know like life-size dolls that he can throw around Mm -hmm. and there is one particular shot of one of these incredibly realistic looking dolls being like shoved into a church pew and the body crumples in the most unlifelike while this is a very lifelike looking doll the most unlifelike way that if you don't know it is a doll (laughs) it is supremely upsetting the entire like head first from the head like backwards the entire body like kind of collapses like an accordion that's kind of what that is is sort of the effect that this has Yeah. yeah like all of his joints go the wrong way yes uh so then the hulk runs away with the one person that he doesn't hulk out on Liv Tyler. Yeah. They go to a cave. It is rainy. This movie has a lot of rain. There's a lot of rain. Yeah. Yeah. It's like training day. Uh, I commented during our watching. Yeah. Um, so they're in a cave and this is where he's still like Hulk man, but it's kind of like, oh, but like, oh, it's rough being the Hulk. He is he's emo Hulk. For yeah. A he's while. emo Hulk. It's yeah. like the lighting makes him look gray, which I understand is something to have to do with the Hulk. At one point he was gray. Mythology. Yeah. yeah. Um, then they go to meet the scientist guy that I thought they met before. Yeah, and it's worth noting that they're they're en route from um, this college, which is supposed to be in Virginia somewhere, and okay. they're en route to New York City. Uh, they get there pretty fast, but there is a moment. Uh, there are two moments that I think we should highlight. The first is when um, they finally do start making out. Oh yeah, and they're about to have sex, and his pulse meter goes all the way up and he's like i can't yes (laughs) which means it just confirms to us that part of the real like lame part of being the hulk is the fact that like you must be celibate yeah there's a very monk-like element to the hulk uh that i feel like doesn't really get explored to the degree that it could have been (laughs) but anyways uh the second thing that's of interest is that once they get to new york city there is like this strange little almost vignette that doesn't fit with the rest of the movie is this the pants one no where they get in in a cab Oh my god, I forgot all about that. <laughs> they get that. in a cab with like a crazy cab driver, and it is one of the few moments of levity in this entire movie. Which is otherwise like deathly serious. Deathly serious, and it is so... It feels as though it was directed by an entirely different person. It comes out of nowhere. It's like an entirely different film, and it's sort of weirdly long as well. Oh yeah, and, it, and the whole premise of this is, of course, cab drivers are crazy, yes. and oh no, my heart rate is going through the roof. I wasn't scared of anything until I was in this cab when I was ripping apart those SWAT team members. Whatever, um, it's dumb. It's very dumb. Uh, <laughs> they meet this scientist, the scientist guy. He's like a little too into the Hulk idea, too. Is, and also says things like, he's like a Greek god. <laughs> like, very so, into admiring those pecs. New, new, yeah, cue more homoeroticism. Yes. Uh, and is also just a poor actor. I don't know who that guy it's, is. It, Tim Blake Nelson, who's actually like... He's not good. He's a, he's normally, he's a Coen Brothers regular. Oh, yes, he's he normally, is. He's normally a great actor. That's but, where like, I know him from. This, this performance was uncanny in every way. It was very bad. Yeah, it was very strange. Uh, so he has the ability to suppress Ed Norton from hulking out. Mm-hmm. So he like suppresses a Hulk outbreak... Right, like they like induce him getting angry, but then they also contain it. Yeah. Uh, at this point, they all get captured. Yeah, something happens. Like, and there's William Hurt with Tim Roth again, and they're like, "We're gonna capture the Hulk." They manage to capture um, Edward Norton and Liv Tyler, and they put them on a helicopter. Meanwhile, Tim Roth is like, "Yo, you also think that Jack dude's super sweet?" And the scientist is like, "Yes, he is like a Greek god." <laughs> and then. They stare at each other very intensely, <laughs> and then he injects Hulk blood into Tim Roth, making him way more crazy. Tim Roth turns into what is essentially Doomsday from the Superman 
mythology. Yes. And like this big craggy looking like kind of rock man rock man creature. Lizard dude. Yeah, rock lizard. <laughs> <laughs> he has lost anything that made him um Tim Roth initially. And right. He's lost all vestiges of Tim Roth. So he is he's a big dude now too. Yeah. And then he goes on a rampage yep. in, he, in New in, York. In Harlem specifically. And there is a sequence where like SWAT team members and like army dudes are fighting him in close quarters right yeah and it is easily the best part of the movie there is a one sustained shot yes. in which we we are on the ground so it's not like a digital camera it is an actual camera yep. on the ground and we are following the SWAT team members as they watch him rampaging above their heads yep it is it, yeah it's a one sustained shot and it is very very good it's it, effective it reminds me of like have you seen either of the Pacific Rim movies yes which ones? The first one. So the difference between the f- first one, whether you think it's a good movie or not, the difference between the first one and the second one is that the first one uses all, even when it's di- a digital camera, it is, o- like, I don't mean like a digital as opposed to film camera, but is like a camera that does not actually exist right. in space. It's, a, it's, it's like full animated CGI. sequence. Yeah. It always stays ground level. Whereas mm. the sequel, which has been panned, it's always like the camera just like has no restraints and it is soaring all over the right. place. And that's how you create scale and that's how you create tension. Is by pretending is it's a real camera. Pretending it's a real camera. Right. And, and this does that very well the, in this moment. These sequences, when he is just loose, he is not fighting the Hulk. The Hulk is not there. The He is flipping cars. He is crushing people. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it looked really good. It's lit really well. So the yes. CGI looks the better. The CGI looks... Like, it came out of a different movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it feels like they blew the whole budget on this, and then somebody was like, you got to make all those parts with the Hulk, though. <laughs> and they were like, wait, what? This movie comes out in three weeks. <laughs> um, it's weird. So, all right, he's going crazy. The Hulk, or I mean, Edward Norton and Liv Tyler, meanwhile, are up in a, in a helicopter um, being ferried away by William Hurt. But then they realize that, like, Tim Roth has gone crazy as Lizard... Rock Man, yes, the new Mega Man enemy, <laughs> um, and so Edward Norton is like, "You have to let me go fight him. I'm the only one who can stop him because I am the Hulk. Because I am the Hulk." Um, and then he dives out of the. He, he explicitly tells them to throw him out, throw of, the him out of the helicopter to helicopter. induce a Hulk attack. Now we we know that he had that suppressed attack. So the question is, will he Hulk out? Yes, and. He does, but it seems he, like maybe a little too late. He still. like drops through the ground yeah. and then explodes back out of it. They love in these movies to have big dudes emerge from the pavement. It was much better looking than the prior oh. than Jeff Bridges emerging from the pavement. They get better Iron at Man. it every time. I yeah. can't wait to see what it looks like in Endgame. Yeah. Um, because yeah, he comes out of the pavement and now he's the Hulk and he looks way worse than the Rock Lizard Man. And then they have a protracted fight that concludes with him like choking out rock lizard man with like a giant chain of some yeah, sort yeah and he's about to kill him to kill rock lizard man when Liv tyler says no don't as if this is the one life we want to save in this entire movie <laughs> right it is the unstoppable creature who is like <laughs> monster man a complete monster and is likely to escape if the hulk's ability to escape undoubtedly is any, will escape is any indication we just saw yeah. him got sh- shot he like gets shot with a rocket launcher <laughs> and shrugs it off as though it is nothing the hulk has him in a moment of weakness and we go spare him <laughs> um so we spare him we everything's cool. Bruce Banner goes to live in British Columbia. Okay, British Columbia. Yeah, I just remember very clearly. It lo- it was like Bella Cote, <laughs> British Columbia, uh, where I assume the Portuguese is not as useful. <laughs> and he is now meditating. He opens his eyes, and we realize that he can become the Hulk at will. Yes, he is now able to will himself. He can control it. Yeah. All of this is told through acting with his eyes. Yes, uh, which turned green. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which I assume is the acting. Edward Norton actually learned how to do you that. You can do that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's really cool. Um, Everybody thinks it's really cool that like uh, Ryan Gosling learned how to play piano for La La Land, but like, fuck that. He can't turn his eyes green. Great point, Matt. <laughs> um, so, okay, we're going to treat that as the end of the movie, yes. and we will return to what happens after that in a moment. Yeah. Matt, what did you think of this film? This is in the top 20 worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's definitely like near the top 10. I uh, don't know if I feel quite that strongly, but it is really remarkable and a testament to the rest of the series and the power of marketing 
that this thing did not torpedo the entire MCU. It was pretty well received at the time, which boggles my mind. It is not a good movie. And I don't think that our complaints about the CGI are a reaction to having seen better CGI. I think it is just that it is it is it makes Jurassic Park oh, which holds up so well. It does. It makes Jurassic Park look like the Hulk like it's all just real. Looks dumb. He looks really dumb. He the looks, hair looks really there's dumb. There's something about the way they chose to texture his skin and stuff. And I think that this is why the other dude looks more real because he looks craggy and like he's made out of rocks yeah. which is easier to texture maybe i guess because than... the, the hulk just doesn't look right he looks like he is from a video game and got dropped into this thing his face looks nothing like edward norton no not at all uh in which fact, he looks a little bit more like mark ruffalo which is maybe it's i, I don't know he kind of looks like the ang lee hulk like he has yeah. that kind of smooth anime quality or something where he, yeah and I, it's very strange to me um, but uh, set aside the CGI. Like, like, let's just assume that the CGI is not the problem. This is some of the worst acting I've ever seen in a movie, or at least the the least committed and most kind of like bored. I acting. would say that everything in this movie feels kind of bored. Yeah, there are action sequences that are one shot terribly, like very confusing. Um, the geometry of everything is like very off. You never have a sense of tension of like that person is here, this person is here, and they are being pursued. Except in that one extended shot in the yes. alleys, and its its sense of scale is surprisingly lost for a movie that should depend entirely on scale. The Hulk is about nine feet tall, I think. I he's read. a big. He's boy. a big boy, but like he never feels that big yes by com- next to anything else because for the most part he's just picking things up and tossing them aside well and he very rarely is in shots with physical objects or other people mm-hmm. whereas the rock lizard man has an extended sequence where he's running around flipping cars and stuff and the cars feel really tactile and you have a great sense of like this is a big dude in a street he's interacting with, with physical objects and they just that don't do CGI. that with They're, yeah the hulk at all yeah uh the Hulk, the Hulk like picks up like the like wing like some part of a helicopter, and yeah. then he has like these two CGI shields that he's bashing together. Because like again, he likes to slam he two things to slam, together. Yeah. That's his thing. Um, uh, but those are made. Those are CGI. So like, yes. there's no sense of it. Just it. None of it like gels. I agree. And like Edward Norton is just kind of in it. I don't have a great reason, and I think that this is my biggest issue with it. We see in the opening this abridged like here's how the hulk got to be the hulk we don't really know anything about this dude like this movie is an opportunity like from my perspective as part of this ongoing story and like i understand there are you know whatever reasons that existed whatever it is 2019 and i am watching this movie out of context it just doesn't give me a compelling reason to care about bruce banner other than that he was nice to the most beautiful woman in the world. Yeah, but that's pretty easy to do. Yeah, it's it's not the hardest. Most thing. people are nice to the most beautiful woman in the world. Right. She lives in the bubble like Don Draper on yeah. 30 Rock. Um uh but there's no compelling reason for me to care about him. And I actually and I was thinking about this a lot. It's like the bigger issue is I don't get a sense a real sense of why being the Hulk is so terrible. Yeah, I mean, obviously, logically, it's very clear because you right. suddenly lose track, but you don't ever get the sort of emotional... You don't the, see The emotional it. logic of it, yeah. Or like the remorse. Yeah. There's just kind of... You never see the pain... You never see... You see him being like, I don't want to hurt people, but you don't see him grieving over the hurt that he has caused. Or, or just being super aware of it. Yeah. Or like... You know, it is messed up that this dude's going to be celibate forever because he got zapped in the eye with the radiation, right? But yeah. he's just kind of, it's like kind of a laugh bit almost. It's almost kind of like, yeah, that's just it. And Everything it, is just indifferent. And the weird thing about it is that for a movie that doesn't seem to be very interested in um, Bruce Banner's character, we spend a lot more time with Bruce Banner than we do with the Hulk. We only see the Hulk three times in the entire movie. Right. There are three Hulk sections. Yes. And it's like very, very three-act structure in that way. Um, the culmination of each act ends with like a Hulk. And we spend <laughs> Which so is what they teach you in <laughs> screenwriting class. Robert McKee's story, <laughs> you might be familiar with. Um, 
but we never really learn anything about Bruce Banner other than that he does not want to be a government pawn. And and his reasoning for that is not clear. Like, and, and he loves Liv Tyler, but and, we don't really know why. Yeah, and like their interest in each other isn't clear, yeah. right? And like they should, they have things in common. I'm sure maybe that's explored in the other movies, but it definitely feels to me watching this movie like all of that gets explained in the opening title sequence with silent images, yeah. right? All of that stuff that would make it interesting to follow this dude just doesn't happen. Yeah. And especially when you compare it to Iron Man. Which does all the character building up front. And does such a good job of it. Excellent. And it's very concise, very clean, well-written. you know exactly who these people are. Like, you spend so much less time with Rhodey, (laughs) right? Like, he's just kind of there. He talks to Tony, like, twice. They have one sequence where they drink together, and he says maybe four sentences. And you're like, I know who that dude is. I get their relationship. It totally makes sense. Whereas we spend a lot of time with Liv Tyler and Edward Norton <laughs> in a general cave. Thunderdome or whatever his name is. We're with that dude forever. Yeah, and, and all he does is talk about how he wants to harness the power of the Hulk. <laughs> he just wants the Hulk. Everyone just seems to continually repeat what their character motivation is. Yes, and we never really see any of their well, character motivation. Like we see motivation. it in that they pursue it. They pursue it, but we never. We yeah. There's no. Uh, there's no extrapolation of that in any like in any emotional right. way. And I feel like like we talked about with uh Iron Man how we felt like the motivations were uh for Jeff Bridges and stuff we we thought they were kind of lacking yeah. compared to this. Oh, that that was Shakespeare. Incredible. Yeah. Like they're they're so good and you're like, "Oh yeah, like I get why Jeff Bridges would dislike this guy." And then there's what's the what's the SWAT team dude's name? I don't know his character name. <laughs> You're really bad with celebrities. This is I one of my know. favorite things about you. I don't know. I don't know who these people are. Uh, uh, Tim Roth. Tim Roth. He was a member of uh, Van Halen or something, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And he also directed Hostel. Yeah. He's just like, I want to be a Hulk dude. And there's no moment of like him having some sort of realization that like he's not a good soldier. Like yeah. if he was the worst soldier in the squad instead of the leader... And he was like, I really want to be the Hulk because I'm like, I suck at my job. Then I'm like, okay, I'm interested in this. But instead, he's just like, I'm really good at killing people. I want to be better. There's not even any hint that there's anything wrong with this dude, like morally, right. in well, any no, way. No, there is. He shoots that dog. Well, he shoots, oh, you're right. He, that the is first the time we meet hand. him, he shoots a dog and you're like, he's a bad dude. Yeah. But then he just proceeds to be a bad dude. There's no moment where you go like, he's a bad dude because. who's motivated yeah. to make other decisions. He is just bad and he was born bad and he will be bad forever and now he's a lizard rock man who has shown mercy <laughs> so yeah i am not surprised that everybody seemed bored making this movie because everybody was bored it, i would not want to be involved with this movie in any way whatsoever well and it is so telling right that the people involved with this movie it seems like never come back yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you never see any of them again. In fact, Zach Penn. Uh, oh no, Zach Penn actually does come back. Interesting. He is a screenwriter, or he at least is, he gets the story credit for the Avengers. I know, and well, possibly some other movies. So that's interesting, though, because this movie, one of the reasons Edward Norton was signed on, is because he is uncredited, but had like full script control. And I don't know if that's his calling. I yeah, I would agree. Although he has written a lot of other movies too. I think that um, I would be incredibly curious as to what Edward Norton brought to this project from a writing standpoint. I would love and to And I know. wonder whether it is like little quirks like the metronome and the yoga breathing and various things like that. Maybe. Or, maybe. Or whether he was just adjusting dialogue from random places. I wonder. Uh, the dialogue's fine-ish. It's I, just the characters have no reason to be there. Yeah. And nobody feels like they want to be there. Do you remember that entire prolonged sequence when... Um, Edward Norton meets the the guy who runs the Italian restaurant, and he just like repeats. Oh God! Yeah, and it's another opportunity for for like exposition of things <laughs> we already that, know. Man. Yes, and he like talks to that guy, and that's how he gets the the disguise as a pizza delivery guy to sneak into yep. the university. Who is that man who never <laughs> comes back? It seems like it is like a father figure to Edward Norton, but I do not believe he is ever named. I don't. I honestly, yeah, that part just washed over me like water. I have no idea. And not to be hypercritical of comic book movies in general but that is one of those situations where i wonder is that a comic book character that was just introduced in order to say 
Hey fans, we know you love Bruce Banner's favorite pizza joint. Here it is. Set aside maybe that being the case in the, in that specific situation. Yeah. This movie, much more so than Iron Man, is very heavy on the like wink wink nudge nudge. You person watching the movie exist in a world outside of the characters. Stan Lee is going to be a Hulk man. Yeah. We're going to kill him. Uh, <laughs> but like there's a joke, one of the very few laugh lines in this movie. Yeah. Laugh lines, heavy quotes, uh, is like Bruce Banner is being shown pants by Liv Tyler and she shows him big purple pants and he's like, no. <laughs> and we are meant to go like, because the Hulk wears a purple pants. It feels like there's even like a pause after that oh, where they're like, wait for the applause. Yeah, <laughs> just like, um, there's the, actually, I kind of like the Lou Ferrigno, uh, oh yeah, Lou Ferrigno gets a cameo. Yeah. yeah, I thought that that was kind of, that was all right. It was just, but it didn't actually contribute to anything. No, not in any way at all. So it's just there. It's, it's just, just there. there because we know that Lou Ferrigno played the Hulk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, okay. In fact, he does the voice for the Hulk. The current still. Hulk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for this, for this, for this one too, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Something we didn't talk about last week was the post-credit sequence in Iron Man. Post-credit yeah. sequences being an important part of the MCU. <laughs> Which is really thrown off by um, in The Incredible Hulk because the post-credit sequence comes before the credits. Yes, they oh. show it to you immediately. It is clear that Edward Norton <laughs> opening his eyes and then being green is the end of the movie. And then they're just like, boom, here is more movie. <laughs> it is very strange. It is almost as though they didn't trust people to stick around. Yes. And Nobody wanted to see who made who this made movie. Who made this monstrosity. <laughs> um, so last week, we should, we should talk about these each time. Last week, yeah. uh, Tony Stark comes into a dark house and out of the shadows... Steps Nick Fury. Yes. And he asks something like along the lines of, are you interested in the Avengers Initiative? Or have you ever heard of the Avengers Initiative? Or S.H.I.E.L.D. or something. He's from S.H.I.E.L.D. But, but he's like, trying he to say S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, I think he says, yeah. like, I'm a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. But then he's like, I, I want to talk to you about the Avengers right. Initiative. And you're like, okay, Whoa, Sam Jackson's I've, I've in these of... movies. That sounds badass. Yeah. <laughs> what are the Avengers? <laughs> and also, yeah, you're coming in and you're riding high off of just having watched Iron Man. <laughs> so you're like, well, they're going to make more of these movies. That's pretty That's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this case, you're coming in on a low. <laughs> very low. Um, it's worth noting there is a moment during the um, the title sequence, the very beginning of the movie, where you see Stark Industries. You do. So you on know that it's so you know that it is in this in world. The extended universe. They let you know immediately that it is in this world. But yeah. in the 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 post credit sequence or what is really the pre credit sequence, <laughs> the post actual end of the movie. Of the movie. <laughs> um, you have Tony Stark, or no, you have uh, William Hurt. Drink, mustache man mustache man thunderbolt <laughs> is drinking Thunder at a bar road. <laughs> Thunder Road is drinking at a bar we don't really know why other than i guess he's just sad that he like the hulk has escaped his clutches once again i mean things did not go great as a military operation i would say that everything about that went poorly is <laughs> william hurt giving like perhaps the least committed performance of his career he is drinking a very green Beverage, which though. is which is a weird like is it absinthe? I assume or is that it... it is the soda from earlier mixed oh, with vodka, okay, or Red Bull vodka. I do love that he <laughs> says when he wants a when he wants another one, he says reload me <laughs> to the bartender. He's a military man through and through. Just in case we forgot that he is a general in the United States he is Army, in full dress colors. Yeah. Um, uh, and then a door opens, and a man is silhouetted in the door. And it, you know, you see his silhouette, you go, that's Tony Stark. <laughs> and the relief that I felt in my chest that somebody competent and with charisma was about to walk into this movie, impossible to quantify. <laughs> this commences what is hands down the best performance yes. in The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> it's basically Tony Stark walking over to William Hurt and just in walking he is immediately yes. oh. I'm like I just watched this guy walk for two I, hours it's so funny because like it, this is where I, I for the first time in the last 10 years understood the MCU yes because I just watched this movie and I was like I did not like this movie. They Stockholm syndrome you into waiting for Tony Stark and to then, show up. Well, or, or whoever because I'm like I'm, there is impossible that i will only like tony stark right yeah and this dude i like shows up and he is like totally characterful in everything he does everything about his presence and i go i really liked iron man he's gonna be he's in more of these movies yeah dude let's do it like i'm immediately back in yeah 
Uh, and he says that he's got something going. So he essentially says exactly what Nick Fury said to a different character. And I do like the idea that the first 20 of these are going to be people saying the exact same the thing, same but thing. just a different character just saying relaying the same it. thing yeah, over and over in a and game over again. telephone. <laughs> um, and so with that, I got excited because there's going to be more movies that have Tony Stark in them. And I enjoy Tony Stark. Um, unfortunately, it was another two years before Iron Man 2 came out, which is the next movie in the MCU. That's right. So we're so, going to have to wait another two years before, because we are watching these in real time. <laughs> we will wait two more years before you get that content on Iron Man 2. Yes. In the meantime, we need to rank the Incredible Hulk in our ongoing power rankings of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The rankings currently stand at number one, Iron Man. Matt, where do you think this movie ranks out of the 22 MCU films? Up until Endgame, which is where we're drawing the line. I'm sorry, Far From Home. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, that's a conversation we should have because Far From Home has been confirmed to be the end of Phase 3. They called the one Endgame. It's not the actual ending. Well, Because we'll, it doesn't wrap up the story. We'll cross really. that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> um, I am going to say that Iron Man ekes out the Incredible Hulk by a marathon. <laughs> I think this. I think it's a squeaker. <laughs> um and that it's only 21 movies separate them. <laughs> I I can confidently say um having seen a handful of Marvel movies, I can feel like I can pretty confidently say that this might be the worst out of all of them. <laughs> That's what I'm... I am. If not, definitely second. We will shuffle second. the list as more entrants come in. Yeah. But right now, the list is number one, Iron Man. Number 22, The Incredible <laughs> Hulk. <laughs> uh, so join us next week, or whenever we record again, <laughs> and we will talk about Iron Man 2, which... Good Lord, I hope it is better than this movie, because this thing bummed me out, and then Tony Stark showed up, and I was like, you know what? I'm back in. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we take a break and then talk about video games? That sounds great. <sighs> All right, Matt. You play any video games? Um, I have continued playing the Phoenix Wright games. Yeah. Which I rather enjoy. Um, the second, I'm playing the second game called Justice for All. It is not as good as the first, I would say. Yeah, I don't like Justice for All as much as Master of Puppets either. <laughs> Phoenix Wright, Master of Puppets, I would definitely play. Oh. Um, but I'm still enjoying it. I find it like, as I said before, it's bite-sized. So each, each portion of an individual case, you know, it takes up just enough time right. that you can play a little bit before bed. And it's, um, it's nice. You know, I don't feel as guilty not reading a book. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, what so, makes it worse really quickly? The second one? Yeah. The stories just aren't as strong and the characters aren't as engaging to me. Gotcha. So each case you're introduced to a bunch of new characters. Right. And um, it's kind of hit or miss, you know, mm -hmm. depending on whether you're going to like okay. them or not. And there's some like very interesting sort of endearing characters in the first one that uh, some of whom come back for the second one. Like it, one thing that I will say about Phoenix Wright that really impresses me, it it's something that I haven't, that I've seen um, that that occurs to me I've seen like only in like animated sitcoms before is that it creates a very well-developed world. Oh, interesting. I've always thought that um, King of the Hill, the town of Arlen, is uh -huh. like an incredibly well-developed world in the same way that um, Bloomington in Doug, the, the oh, kids' sure. TV show Doug, is like also a really well-developed world. Like there's just like, there's like, you're aware of like, these are the cultural things that the people in this town are really into. Yeah. And this, these are like, you know, and um, Phoenix Wright does an excellent job of world-building in that regard. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, overall, I think that they're, they're really cool games. Great. Yeah. Are you going to roll through to the third? Probably like gradually okay. as I go along. Yeah, I'm just kind of like taking it one case at a time, you know. <laughs> It's the I, only way you can get through it, man. I just passed my LSATs. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I've been doing that. I've, um, you know, I've played like a few rounds of PUBG. Yeah. I have to say that I do not enjoy playing PUBG half as much as I enjoy PUBG as a spectator sport mm. where I just continue to watch the teammates who are much better than me, like inevitably advance and fall, potentially fall or become victorious mm -hmm. along the way. I think that PUBG is a fun watch. So you don't watch other video games? No, not really. And so what do you think it is about PUBG that is so compelling for you? Um... 
That's a good question. I assume that it is just the base tension of watching watching people who are incredibly skilled at a thing that I do that I'm mediocre at best at mm-hmm. doing it well um and kind of it's it's the gradual build of not just the tension of will they make it will they succeed but also like the closeness that I begin to feel towards these mm-hmm. um mostly mute characters <laughs> as this like as this like goes on i develop like some sort of strange affinity uh for whoever i'm watching play whether it's a team or whether it's one person but you don't get that you when you play like apex for instance do you consistently stick around and watch the end of no that? i never spectate in apex and what do you think the difference is there? oh i think that it's that apex is too fast paced and PUBG is so quiet and silent and it is sudden bursts of action that so i you have a better it, sense of what's going on yeah i think that it is well i think that it is it's like the difference between watching soccer and baseball so Ooh. soccer, I don't really enjoy watching soccer or basketball uh-huh. all that much um, because there's constant motion. Baseball strikes me as a very cinematic sport. Nice use of strike. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, baseball definitely feels like very cinematic to me where you have like these moments of action in between these kind of like more meditative, contemplative moments of, of inaction. Uh-huh. And that's what PUBG is to me, is a lot of kind of meditative moments of inaction and sort of like general movement where it's still very tense but you then then the action tends to occur very quickly all at once it's so funny you saying that because i played what i would think of as kind of the great granddaddy to a lot of these modern um battle royale games in some ways just yesterday which is counter-strike which i hadn't played in forever the original counter-strike i played counter-strike go Oh, global offensive? Yes, global offensive. As, as we call it. Um, which I just, I wanted to play a shooter and I was on my Mac and it was there in Steam and I just downloaded it because it's free to play. They have a Battle Royale mode that I tried to play once that is inscrutable. How, I, how, it is so confusing. I have so many questions. I don't know enough to answer them. How many, well, how many, how many You're people? You're on a team of two? How many, how, how, bi- how many people total? I don't know. How big is the map? Kind of small. Oh, okay. You like call in items by drones, so you see the drones going where the people are, which is kind of interesting. I see the drones going where the people are. <laughs> yes, I see them dancing. I see them flying. <laughs> yes, carrying uh, my payload. So are you, do you have more? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I didn't play a lot of that, but what I did, I played like straight up Counter Strike. Yeah. Um, like terrorist versus yep. um, anti-terrorist. One of us is planting a bomb. There's a. They have like different. You pick, I want to play Counter-Strike, right? I said casual, <laughs> uh, not, not competitive. Ranked. Yeah. Not ranked. Nope, not for me. Um, and then you get to pick what like collection of maps you want in the hopper. There's like four different options of like, you get to play on a mix of these. And one of them is just Dust 2. And is the only thing in the list. And I said, obviously, I want to play on Dust 2. One of the most iconic maps in anything ever. And I know it, right? So that's nice because... I can fire this up. When I booted it, I haven't played Counter-Strike in over a decade. Um, when I booted it, it, because it's Steam, gave me a badge for like, I've played Counter-Strike for over a decade. Because it knew huh. that I'd played that it before. Played it. And so like, that's on my profile and stuff. That's crazy. Uh, which definitely set expectations <laughs> too high for anyone <laughs> looking at me. Um, and I played Counter-Strike. And Counter-Strike, at the time, I remember it being the most engaging thing I'd ever seen. Um, the way that it works so when for those it, who don't know very when, quickly. Yeah. When was the last time you played that? It's a CS Source era. So like, was that high school? Yeah. Okay. I played in high school too. Yeah. Uh, so how does it work? Two teams. One is the terrorists. One is the counter terrorists. The terrorists have the goal of placing a bomb at one of two pre-designed, like predestined locations in the level. They get to choose which location they want to place it in. Once they've placed it, uh, they could all die. If it still goes off, they win. Mm-hmm. but uh, the counter-terrorist team can go to the bomb and click on it for a certain amount of time to defuse it, can and just then anybody they win. De- can just anybody defuse it? They have it? to have the kit, you have but you can kit. buy the kit at the start of the match. So not everybody's going to necessarily have the kit equipped. But they should, probably. Can you get equip a kit from one of your downed colleagues? I don't know. On the anti-terrorism I d- I, unit? I do not know. Or the, the counter-terrorism unit? I do not know. Okay. Uh, so, in any case... Very simple game. The thing that was so crazy about Counter-Strike when it came out is that if you get killed, you are out for the round. And then you have to wait 
for the round to conclude, however it concludes, and the rounds will take like between five to ten minutes, and then the whole thing resets, everybody comes back to life, and you attempt it again. Yeah. Oh my god, it is awful. Because you, at the time it was so crazy, you're like, oh, I die, but like, it's cool because the round's going to start up again in another five minutes. Dude, once you have been playing things like PUBG, or you've been playing Apex or anything like that, where you can just drop in. Where it within, you die, yeah. your death is permanent, but you immediately reset and can go play again. This it feels the most is the most antiquated thing I've ever seen. Can you move between cameras and watch other you, people? You playing? can spectate and like click around. But I like, remember you used to be able to fly around too. You can do that kind of yeah. stuff. But like I just found it you die very quickly. Yeah. The map is very tight. It just uh like I had some fun, you know what I mean? Like we won a couple matches, I defused a bomb, like whatever. But it just it's just old. It's yeah. just amazing the degree to which PUBG and Apex and Fortnite are a modernization of that permanent death idea, of that way that like roguelike things have kind of infiltrated everything. Mm-hmm. Um it it was very much like, oh wait, those things are new Counter Strike. Like they have a lot of the same elements. And they lack the problematic parts. I mean, it might be permadeath, but you you can res- you can respawn in a new game very quickly. It actually sounds to me like I would enjoy Counter Strike because I can wait those five minutes because I'm gonna. I would rather spectate anyway than start a new game. I can wait those five minutes and then I don't have to like go into a new game with a bunch of new people. I can play with the same people over again and switch teams. You can, yeah, you, and and I I understand that, but. From my perspective, I just wanted to like get better at Counter Strike because I hadn't played oh, it in a long time, so and you, you just, just don't. You want to just, just be acting. I just want to play the game and like get the feel for it and stuff. Yeah. And instead, you're just kind of like, okay, now I'm watching this guy. Oh, he got shot. Yeah, and it's just sort of old. Yeah, I do wonder if we'll reach a point where somebody makes a Counter Strike type thing where it's like, what if there's a map where it's like people are trying to set bombs on it, and I guess that that's kind of Battlefield is like that kind of objective based large scale map game. Yeah, but I think that there might be room for something that's more battle royale esque that has that type of objective gameplay, um, which would be kind of interesting. But it just felt really old. Yeah, it's fun to play a game with a mouse though. Are you going to go back and play it anymore? I don't know. Probably not. Nah. Uh, But it's just old. And so are we. Very true. So join us next time when we talk about Iron Man 2. And are older than ever.